0: This will be our last message from this book, this book of Jude. Very short book, one chapter really, 25 verses. But in in that book, there's a lot, isn't there? There's a lot here for the Christian to think about, to meditate about. And it's very much a book of warning, isn't it? A book of dangers, a book uh, really talking about things that cannot be ignored. The very very beginning of the book of Jude, Jude would rather be, in a sense, talking about other things, what we share in common, the things that are wonderful blessings to us all. But he feels compelled. He, He feels it necessary to speak about what he calls these certain men who have crept in unnoticed. Notice to Jude. But not noticed among the churches for which this affected. Now why did Jude notice? Why did he see? Well Jude was discerning wasn't he? Discernment. He had a level of discernment that he could see what was happening. And that compelled him to write warning God's people of this. Charles Spurgeon put it this way about the discernment. The sermon is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. I think all of us sometimes can see the obvious things. And what might be obvious to us might not be obvious to someone else. But the difference between right and almost right. How do we get there as well? How do we get to this point where we also see this danger, where, where Jude was. Well, we need to have wisdom, don't we? We need to have discernment ourselves to know that when we see something that is against the truth of God, that we know it to be wrong and to be clearly against His Word. But it's very much a positive ending here that Jude gives us, it's very much build and go forward. It's very much a message of forward by faith or looking forward by faith. Now, as we think about looking forward to the future, I'd like to address the children for a few minutes before we read God's holy and infallible word. I wonder if any of the boys and girls here have any pets. Anybody got any pets? Uh, dogs, cats. Yeah, I bet you, And I bet you really like your pets, don't you? Yeah, pets are great. We have a, a dog. It's a cross between a, a border collie and a golden retriever. And she really misses us when we're not home. And do you know what she does when she hears the car drive in? Do you think she's excited? Actually, she whimpers. You can hear a big, loud whimper out the back of the house. She's very excited. Why is she excited to see us? Because she misses us, doesn't she? And she's excited to see us. Here's the people who take care of me. Here are the people who play with me and comfort me. Here are the people who feed me and look after me. Here are the people I trust. There's an excitement, isn't there? When you see dogs and you're at the park and they just run toward their owner and they're so happy to see them. Well, dear children, I want you to think about are you excited about the return of Jesus Christ Jesus is coming again and he's going to make this whole world which is full of sin today a new world renew the whole world it's going to be a place of no sin and perfect righteousness and if we love Jesus Christ won't we be excited about that we will. If we love Jesus, we will be very excited at his return. Imagine if you say, I love someone, but I, I just don't want to spend time with them. I, I don't want to listen to them. That would be strange, wouldn't it? Here, here, you say, oh, my dog loves me. But every time you go up to your dog, the dog runs away from you. You'd say, something's wrong there. Well, boys and girls, do you love Jesus Christ? Are you excited When you hear the word of God, do you love him? Do you love to hear his voice read in the word of God? And we should all, young, old, be all excited about Jesus Christ. And not just in a way that, okay, I'll go to church. No, no, excited to hear about God. Because his truths are wonderful for the believer in Jesus Christ. Are we excited? Are we looking forward to the future by faith. So we're going to read now God's holy word and we're going to read from Jude verses 16 down to 25. Our text will be from verses 20 to 25, but we're going to begin in verse 16 for context. Verse 16 to verse 25, let us hear God's holy word. These are grumblers and complainers walking according to their own lusts And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up. On your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So again our text will be from verses twenty to twenty-five of this book of Jude. If you were driving your car, the mirrors in your car are very important, are they, for, for driving safely? For driving safely. Even if you're going forward, the rear view mirror is important, isn't it? If you remember your driving test, if you didn't use your mirrors, you probably wouldn't be able to pass. But while these mirrors are important, we don't focus only upon them, do we? If you were driving your car, and the only thing you looked at was your rear view mirror, what would happen? Eventually, you'd probably crash. And it's a lot like that in our Christian walk, isn't it? We should, and we can learn from the past. We must Look, in a sense, behind us and learn from what we can. Our own past. It would be foolish to ignore uh, the lessons from the past. But we cannot only fixate on them. We must move forward and move forward by faith. It is tempting, isn't it, in this part of the world to think of the glory days or the good old times, you could say. Um, The glories, and we thank God for them uh, in, in parts of Northern Ireland and Scotland, where the Lord richly blessed these parts of the world, and he did. And we can learn much about it, and we should learn about it and be thankful for it. But at the same time, we need to look toward an even greater future ahead, something far greater than anything seen even in this part of the world up until this point. We must move forward to grow. All of us, young people, older people, all of us need to grow. We'll never get to a point in this world when we say, well, I don't need to grow anymore. We must go beyond what the past even showed us. To aim for the glory that awaits us all in Jesus Christ. And you may be here this morning and you may not be a believer. And you may think this is all pie in the sky stuff. But all that is spoken here by the Word of the Living God will surely come to pass for the true believer in Jesus Christ. Every promise that comes from God has come true. The Lord is faithful in all things. Should we not look forward to the future by faith? Number f- number one. Now we're going to look at looking unto the truth, looking unto the truth. Now, we're going to look first at verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. There's a contrast here as well between verses 19 and verse 20. There's Those who believe in building up. And that's what they ought to do. But in the previous verse. Verse 19. It talks about those. Who Jude is warning about. These sensual persons. Who cause divisions. Not having the spirit. We on the other hand. Praying in the Holy Spirit. So there's a contrast. Between one and the other. And the church isn't it. It's pictured as a building. In the scriptures. And what do we see here in the previous verse, make cause divisions, is making that building weaker, isn't it? Making that building weaker. And we should pause for a second, shouldn't we? Sometimes we can think when we read verses like this, oh yeah, that's, that's those people out there. But there are things in all of our lives, every single one of us, that do weaken not only our walk with God, But also the church. Have we ever thought about that? Things that we are a part of, things that we participate in that do weaken our walk, and often we don't see it until that thing is taken out of our lives. Is there something getting between you and fully committing to Christ? You may be a Christian, you love the Lord. But there's something causing to draw you away. Again, we can easily think of others when you read these verses. People out in, out in the world who never come to church. That thing. And I can think of things in my own life. Are there things causing a weakness to the church? Because, dear friends, you are part of this building. Not a physical building, but a spiritual building. Building The foundation, to make this clear, is not you. You are part of this building. It says in First Corinthians 3.9, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So this is constantly used throughout the scriptures, this picture of a building and being built up. And the opposite of being built up is to be broken down. Our service, our commitment, our building must begin here, shouldn't it? In in our homes, in our families, in our local church. And then spreading out toward from there. Starting with our own homes. The immediate needs that are around us. How can this be possible? We're not to weaken the building with error. We saw last week, there's from verses 4 to 19, these things, error causes weakening in the church. And, and Jude is giving many examples of what it looks like to turn away from holiness, to turn away from the Lord. How can you build up? It says here, on your most holy faith. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Faith and this can only be done through the Spirit of God in prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit. And this holy faith is not, again, we said a few sermons ago that the faith once delivered unto the saints is not talking about our belief in Jesus Christ in this situation, it's talking about the teachings of the prophets and the apostles. That is the foundation of the church, the teaching of of the prophets and the apostles. It says in Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple. In whom you're also built together for a dwelling place of God and the Spirit. But just to remind ourselves of that phrase. On the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That is what Jude is writing about here. Uh, on your most holy faith that's the foundation we all have to build upon Uh, their doctrine their teaching and where is that teaching found well it's found in the word of the living God it's found in the word of the living God and friends do you read it and not just read it do you think about what is being said in it it's so easy to just read the Bible in the morning and forget it all throughout the day But really what we should be doing is almost going back over what we read throughout the day. Perhaps you come up to a door and you think, what does that door remind me from scripture? Well, Jesus is the way, isn't he? And we can be working out on our farm or wherever we work and maybe we see a footstool. And we think, God, Jesus makes his enemies his footstool. There's things all around us, isn't there? That can remind us of the things that are in the word of God. The Puritans would have called it meditation. Basically thinking about the word of the living God. But also praying about it. Uh, Jude writes praying in the Holy Spirit. We can't understand anything spiritual from heaven without the spirit of God. Otherwise we would be blind to these heavenly truths. Jesus is the truth the way, and the light. So when we learn of the most holy faith, we're really learning about the one who is truth himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is truth. It is his truth. It is him himself taught in the word of God. Now, why do I say all this? It is so easy in a Christian culture, maybe it's a post-Christian culture at this point, to, to think that many of the things that are in a Christian culture are this most holy faith I res- I'm speaking about here. Sometimes we can think, yes, it's obedience to God's word, and, and. It could be certain traditions. Oh, if we don't do certain things, well, we're diminishing, we're weakening the church, we might think. Or we may add certain holy days. We may think that certain things outside of the church become absolutely necessary. Central to the Christian message. And we may think if those things are no longer there, the church is weakened. It may even be talking about things that are explicitly forbidden in the word of God. It is holy faith. It is faith that is set aside. It is doctrine, truth, taught by the word of God. This holy faith builds up everything else. Things that distract us from focusing on the truth. Now I'm not talking about things such as hobbies and things that are our blessings in their own right. But things that distract us from our focus on the truth. Time spent learning that truth. Looking forward to that truth in the future. Not looking to the past as an infallible guide. We can learn much from the past. We can learn much from our parents or grandparents who walked with the Lord. But they're not going to be infallible, are they? Learn, but test against the word of the living God I even tried to say to my own children, I will not get everything right that I'm telling you. And I would, I would hope in 10, 20 years' time they could bring the word of God to me and say, what about this? And I'd be willing to change and grow. And that's what it's all about. Building yourselves up in the most holy faith can often be this. As simple as saying this, ha, ah, I found where I'm wrong. Well, I need to change something. I need to change that part of my life. And dear friends, the only only regret you will have if you do such a thing is saying, why didn't I do it earlier? It brings with it blessings for the Christian. To be corrected by the most holy faith is to be built up, strengthened, fortified. And if we do it together, the building is fortified and made stronger together. Number two now. Looking unto the love of God. So we've looked at looking unto the truth of God. Now we're going to look at looking unto the love of God. The love of God. Verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy. Of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, this point, looking unto the love of God, could also be looking unto the mercy of God. God's love is so rich, so unfailing, so unbreakable, so without changing, it is hard for us in many ways to put it into words. This word here it says the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is a, a Greek word translated mercy. And it's rightly translated here. But that word in Hebrew has such a rich word. A rich meaning. a Loyal love. A covenant love. A loving kindness. A steadfast love. A mercy. Within God's covenant with his people through Jesus Christ, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. A word used many times in the Old Testament, where it is, we find it, we struggle in English to bring out the full meaning of the word. It is more than just getting what we don't deserve. It is that. We we get forgiveness. We don't deserve forgiveness. We get a positive righteousness. We don't deserve a positive righteousness. We get a home in heaven. We don't deserve any of these things. But it's that and more. More. It's it's the all-embracing love, care, and provision of God. It, It is the kindness, the mercy Of God, loving kindness of God, only possible in and through Jesus Christ. And to look forward by faith, dear friends, to look forward by faith means to not be caught in the traps of the enemy. And no doubt in our past we have been, all of us. A person who says, I've never made any mistakes up until now in my Christian walk is a person who is not growing. We've all made mistakes in the past. The question is what will we do when we discover that something is wrong? What will we do when we learn we need to change? The enemy is cunning. The enemy is very cunning and preys on our ignorance. We positively must look to the love of God. And his richness, his compassion, his care, and his love, so that when we do, and the enemies come with a license to sin, say, Grace, you can do whatever you like. You think, How can I do such a thing? Here is the God who saved me. Here is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who washed me and clothed me in his righteousness. How can I sin against him? How can this make any sense? You see, dear friends, isn't it very different from I'm just going to do it with all of my willpower just so I can look as religious before the world. This is not this at all. That was the Pharisees' way of looking at things. Look at me. I'm definitely going to heaven. I'm such a righteous person. It's not that. It's out of you see the love of God, the mercy of God, and you see your sin and what you've been rescued from. You're going, how can I sin? How can I dare even Let the thought pass through my mind to sin against him because he is so compassionate, so loving, so caring, so unfailing, so without blemish in his care for me. Don't we often find when we start to be, remember verse 16, these are grumblers and complainers. When we start to complain in our Christian walk. Maybe you've had a bad day. Things, you know, Part of the machinery is broken. Things aren't going right. Isn't that usually the time we fall into sin? Contentment goes out the window. And we forget what God has given us through Jesus Christ. The enemies come with a license to sin. But God comes with his love. And we need to remind ourselves and look unto that love that, that love He showered you and me with love and compassion in coming to die. How many people, be honest with yourself in your mind, how many people would you say, I'm, I would be willing to die for this? Either a cause, a person. Jesus came to die for sinners. He came to die for rebels. He came to die for people Whose sin would place him on a Roman cross. How can we sin against him? That's what it means to look unto the love of God. We must not undervalue this love or downplay our sin. Because the more we see our sin. And what we've been rescued from. The more we see the love of God. And the demonstration of his love. It says in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Dear friends, sometimes we can read through the Bible so quickly. And when we see verses like that, we ought to pause and thank God for His love. His love. Only possible in Jesus Christ. To thank God for His life. Jesus came into this world, true God and true man, and suffered. He left behind the glories of heaven and suffered for us the humiliation of being on this world. He created the world. In his divine nature, he sustains all things. How can we sin? How can we sin like these grumblers and complainers in verse 16 who will come? saying come sin it doesn't matter if you do this it's okay look to God look to his love could God be any more loving God never changes God at no point ever can be more loving more caring but he's also at the same time he could not be more against sin he is pure love he is pure perfection. It says of this love. And it's an, un, it's an inseparable. An unbreakable bond. Romans 8.35 says this. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine. Or nakedness or peril or sword. And he says then a little bit later in verse 38 and 39. For I am persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I am persuaded that neither death nor life will be able to separate you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ. From the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And it's really God keeping you. We trust in him. We look forward by faith. And by faith alone. Looking on to now number three. The promise of God. The promise of God. As we look forward. Building ourselves upon the truth. The truth of God's love for his people. We must also think about God's promise to his people. And there are really many promises throughout the scriptures. In verses uh, 21 to 24, it says, Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even The garment defiled by the flesh. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless. Before the presence of his glory. With exceeding joy. The promises of God. To the true believer in Jesus Christ. To the person who is weary in this world. The person who is exhausted by sin. And rebellion all around them. Is healing balm. Healing balm. If you ever walked across ground outside without shoes or or socks there are many things that might hurt the sole of your feet and you would need something to soothe them and as we walk through this world we will be hurt we will face difficulties we will face challenges we will in one way or another face persecution even in this part of the world but if we are exhausted from the sin around us, the presence of sin, when, you, when you, walk, you turn on your news and you see it and it grieves your soul, come and be comforted by the promises that God, God has for his people, for his covenant people in Jesus Christ and the comfort that they bring. Because why? Because looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, unto eternal life. There's eternal life promised to all who will look with the eye of faith to Jesus Christ. And none will be turned away. Now you'd say that that looks so easy. Well, by looking to Christ, you have turned your back on sin. If you're still clinging to sin, dear friends, if you're still a slave of sin, this is not talking about you. But if you will this morning look with the eye of faith toward Christ. Which means turning your back on sin, which is obnoxious to God. And he will no, in no wise cast you out. He will receive you and never let you go. He will keep you in the palm of his hands. And he will present you faultless, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy as it has here in Jude 24. Don't we need to be reminded about these things so much? I don't know about you, but over the last couple of years, you know, the, the messaging from the government was like over and over again. I don't know if anybody else kind of found it kind of annoying. Yes, I understand. Okay, wear your mask here. Okay, fine. But there's some things we do need to be reminded of over and over again. You probably don't need to be reminded of washing your hands, but you do need to be reminded of the future glory. You know why? Because we forget. The enemy makes us forget. Our hearts draw us away into wandering at times and bring us into doubts. Do you see how many promises there are, dear friend, in the scriptures over and over again? If it was on any other topic, you might say, oh, this is excessive, isn't it? Constantly reminding us. We need to be reminded. We need, all of us, doesn't matter how long we've been walking with the Lord. Doesn't matter how young or old we are, we need to be reminded of God's promises and not fixating too much in the rearview mirror. Yes, learn from the past. Yes, say, okay, I sinned in that area. Accept it. Repent and move on, trusting in Jesus Christ. Repent of any thoughts that your works will be enough, they're never enough. You see, when we start focusing on our performance, which is never going to be good enough, we'll be wearied by sin and crushed by it. We need to look to Jesus and him alone. But dear friend, if if sin grieves your soul, I'm not talking to a person now who is enjoying sin. Maybe every now and again when they're caught, feels horrible about it because of what people may think about them. I'm saying before God and in your conscience, you hate sin. If it makes you long for Christ, then that is a work of the Spirit of God. Longing for Him more and more. Making you wish, in a sense, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, as Paul wrote to the Philippians. We We want to be with God. We're excited for our Master's return. We're excited. We should be excited to see our Lord. In this world, we will have persecution. We will have trials and tribulation. It says in in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then, again, reminding us of the blessings that we have, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The world doesn't understand what we believe. But we should pity them, not hate them. We should love our enemies. This is the promise. If you trust in Jesus Christ, the world will be after you in a sense. This is not to say that you won't have nice neighbors who are not believers. You will. The Lord is in control of everyone's hearts, even the hearts of unbelieving rulers and kings. We saw that in the Old Testament with kings like Cyrus and Nebuchadnezzar and other people. God is in complete control. But at the same time, there is a war going on between the seed of the woman that is the bride of Christ. And those who are outside of Christ. The seed of the serpent. Spoken about in Genesis three fifteen. Are you trusting in the promise of God. Unto eternal life. It says in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness. But is long suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish. But that all. All should come to repentance. He is long-suffering. He is long-suffering. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. But at the same time, at the same time, there is warning here in our text. There's, there's, with us looking to the love of God and the promise of God, what happens when we see people wandering? What happens when we see people going the wrong way? Well, Jude writes about this in verses 22 and 23. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. So one translation put it this way, using discernment. Using discernment. On some have compassion, but on others save with fear. You see, some people wandering, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily lost. They may need a gentle, kind word encouraging them to come home, come back. And on others, the situation is far more serious. They're involved in something. They're involved in a, a teaching. They're involved in a, a way of life that is so serious. It looks like they're in danger of hell. How do you tell one from the other? We need wisdom. We need wisdom. Making a distinction, as it says. Save with fear. Fear. Pulling them out of the fire. There's almost a a desperate seriousness. Uh, You know, it's not casual in any way. Snatching them out of the fire almost. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. As we look towards God's love, his promises. Let us not forget those who wander away. We can be a massive instrument used by God. To bring them back and perhaps even to rescue them from the dangers of hell itself by sharing the gospel with them. Our last point this morning. Looking unto the glory of God. Looking unto the glory of God. This may seem like a cliche to say this. But the best is yet to come. Sometimes you'll hear people who are not the best teachers and everything will be wonderful. Everything will be fantastic. God will turn everything around, all right. You'll become rich. You'll become famous. That's a false message. You will have trials in this world. You'll have difficulties as a believer in Jesus Christ. You will suffer from all sorts of things. And the Lord brings you through these things because he knows what we need. But at the same time, the best is still yet to come. Glory awaits the believer in Jesus Christ. Why? Because, in verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And that is why the best is yet to come. Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he will present you faultless in his presence, in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I want to speak a little bit to the children. Children, have you ever had a few crumbs from a cake? And you go, oh, that's nice. You get it on the table. I'd like a full slice, please. But which is better? That little taste, the crumbs, or the fullness Fullness, eh? the full cake. You want the full thing, don't you? Well, dear friends, we've only had a taste of the joys of heaven in this world. The taste of the joys of heaven are experienced on a Sabbath day by being alone with the Lord when He, when he soothes your conscience, when He reassures you that you belong to Him. And when He strengthens you, But the fullness, the full thing, isn't it going to be so much better? We have. Here in this world, we're plagued by sin. But there's no sin in the world to come. There's nothing but glory and splendor and joy, exceeding joy in the presence of the Lamb. Before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. And you're going before the one who never changes. Who is eternal. Who is without beginning, without end. Who is the very definition of love and truth itself. It speaks of Jesus in First Corinthians 15, 25. For he must reign. Till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him. It is evident That he who put all things under him is accepted. There will be victory. There will be glory. For those of you who follow sports. uh, What is the most glorious time for a team? For a runner. For anybody who has victory. Over those people who are trying to get that same shiny trophy or medal. It's right after, isn't it? The victory the victory. And when they get that shiny trophy and lift it up in the air, all the people who wanted it have to really accept and say, I was we were beaten by somebody better. The rightful winner. We all came second best to this champion, this victor. They accept their defeat. Well, there's going to come a day, dear friends, when all the enemies of God, all of them will accept Their defeat. When every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess. To the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2 verses 9 and 11. Therefore God also has highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow. And of those in heaven. And of those on earth. And of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. The enemies. Those who are wearing you in this world. They will wave the white flag. They will admit their defeat. They will bow the knee to the true victor. There is glory. There is splendor to come. The, The best is yet to come. Do we keep, dear friends, our eye upon him? Him who is truth, him who is spoken about, your most holy faith. This 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 foundation of the church we spoke about earlier, the teaching of the prophets and the apostles, it speaks of Jesus Christ. It speaks of his glory, it speaks of his truth. Are you jealous? Are you zealous for that truth? That faith once delivered unto the saints. That's how you will be built up. That's how this church here in this part of the world will be built up. Through this most holy faith. The truth. The truth. And do you look to his love. His promises. His glory. We have a lot to look forward to, don't we, as Christians? We have so many things to look forward to. Death for the believer should not be feared. The believer dies well. The believer has joy in the presence of the Lord to look forward to. But dear friends, the last rebel, the ones spoken about here in verse 23, pulling them out of the fire, the last rebel, Hell awaits unless you repent. Those in Jesus Christ will have the love and the compassion and the joy of the Lord. But those outside of Jesus Christ, God will be a consuming fire. Amen.